0: Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency owner? you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures By overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of The Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today I'm hanging out with Drew McClellan. Drew has worked in advertising for over 30 years. He started his own agency, McClellan Marketing Group, in 1995 after a five-year stint at Y&R. Drew has been published in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Ad Age, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Businessweek, and many others. The Wall Street Journal calls him one of 10 bloggers every entrepreneur should read. He's also written several books and helped thousands of agency owners grow their business. Drew, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So Drew, you've got an amazing perspective because you've been both an agency owner and also an agency kind of coach, influencer, community organizer, inspiration in this market. I'm curious, what first attracted you to this line of work?
1: Oh, that's a long story of a uh, failed psychology degree that turned into an advertising degree. And then I got uh, in my very first copywriting class, uh, was taught by an adjunct professor from Gray Advertising. And she asked me to stay after class and I thought I was going to get in trouble. And um, she offered me a job. And so uh, I've been in advertising ever since. Started my own agency in 95 and then uh, took over Agency Management Institute in 2010. So I'm just, this is the only life I know, really. I'm, I'm ruined for all other employment. <laughs>
0: you're, un, you're unemployable, but you can, uh, but we'll let you advertise, right? That's, that's maybe that's, that's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> Very nice, Furness. So pay me a picture of, uh, of your agency today. We'll talk about your agency, but also of AMI a little bit today as well.
1: Yeah. So the agency started out as a generalist agency back in 95. We did a ton of brand work and, um, And then realized very quickly uh, what I also preach on the AMI side, which is that it's a lot easier to grow and build an agency if you have a niche, which I know you are a strong proponent of as well. So we had done, uh, I in particular had had a lot of experience in banking and credit unions and uh, we're based in Des Moines, Iowa. And Des Moines, uh, which is a surprise to everyone, is the number two uh, market for insurance companies after Hartford, Connecticut. And so um, what we decided to do was to take the knowledge we had about the industry and offer it up to clients. So our clients sell to banks, credit unions, and insurance companies. And that could range from teller windows to white label credit cards. So that's for the last probably 10 or 15 years, that's been our our focus.
0: And that seems like an uncommon niche, which I love to hear because right. I feel like when people are thinking about finding their their niche or their sweet spot, that market that they want to serve... A lot of that is sometimes predetermined by our own experience in the world, right? We might think of really common markets like dentists or doctors or lawyers right. or Health, restaurants. Healthcare or Health,
1: banking yeah. or education, which every agency specializes is in on the planet, right? <laughs> yeah, and no, and no, as I say to them, that's, like not, that's not actually a niche. That's an entire industry, right? Yeah. So so when
0: you say that's not actually a niche, there's an industry. Is there any uh, definition or, or idea of how you kind of describe uh, niches to be more specific?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I often asked by agency owners, uh, can a niche be too narrow? And the answer is, I've, I haven't seen one yet. And so the more you can niche down, so if you're going to say healthcare, I'm going to say that's not a niche. So is it pharma? Is it hospitals? Is it whatever? So let's say it's hospitals. Really all hospitals, you're equally qualified to help. Well, no, really, actually, we work better with small community hospitals. Okay, are they... For profit, nonprofit, you know, if you keep drilling down, you can get to a list of, you know, 500 to a couple thousand in the universe. Most agencies, even a super large agency, only needs, you know, ideally your clients would be between five and 10% of your AGI, which means that at, a, at the most, your agency should have 20 clients. And so if there's a, a universe of 2,000, that's plenty for you. That's a big enough pond for you to swim in. But if the universe is 20,000, then that's not really a niche. That's, that's too broad. And it's very difficult for you to prove your expertise and to talk their language because they don't all speak the same language in that big pond of 20,000.
0: You mentioned just real quickly, you said 5 to 10% of your AGI. Can you just... Yep, I just tell you, anybody that doesn't understand what AGI
1: is or kind of what yep. you meant by that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so in our industry, as you know, everybody talks about gross billings, but the reality is gross billings are a vanity number; they're irrelevant. So I we work with two agencies that both have a gross billings of ten million dollars. One's a media shop, and one is a PR shop. They have vastly different businesses because for the media shop most of that 10000 is a cost of good. It's a pass-through. It's the media expense they incur on behalf of clients. The PR shop, they have very little cost of goods, which means that most of that $10 million they get to spend. So AGI or adjusted gross income is your gross billings minus all of your cost of goods, including any contractors or 1099s. And what's left is your adjusted gross income. And, and that's the money you actually get to keep to run your agency so you're going to spend some of it on loaded salaries you're going to spend some of it on overhead and hopefully you have some left over for profit
0: and you mentioned that an individual client should make up no more than 5 to 10% of their agi in
1: the in the ideal world that you know that the, the if I were going to construct a fantasy agency, which no one will ever have, it would be that you would have 10 clients that are each 10% of your AGI because A, you're not spread out super thin. You're not being nickel and dimed by a bunch of small clients that we know take as much time as big clients. But B, you're also not serving a gorilla client who's leading you around by the nose because they're so important to your agency that you can't say no to them. And by the way, I know no agency that has 10 clients that are all exactly 10%. So this is the ideal to work towards, but uh, don't beat yourself up if you don't get there because no one else does either, but you can get close.
0: Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about an exciting new software product that is really gaining traction in the digital agency world. It's an all-in-one marketing and sales platform, and it's built specifically for agencies, Not only will it help you save money by replacing all of your old software tools, it creates a whole new revenue stream for your agency, and you can white-label it, add your branding, and sell it as your own software product. That's why hundreds of agencies have already made the switch from Infusionsoft, Marketo, and ActiveCampaign. You can get more info and access their unlimited agency plan for just $2.97 a month or start your free trial over at IgniteYourAgency.com. That's IgniteYourAgency.com. So how do you balance something like that? Because I always find that unless you have a really uniform pricing model, that somehow the the Pareto principle seeks its way into your your business. Right? You maybe if you had ten clients and you're doing let's say a million dollars a year, for some reason you know two or three of those clients maybe are producing an outsized share of revenue. So um, yeah. you know is that just kind of how how things go that you're going to have some clients that are going to drive more income than
1: others? Well, and I and I think, you know, you you referenced this in your book, but I think the more narrow the niche and the more carefully defined the services, the more likely you are to be profitable. So I think oftentimes a client that is maybe growing in size in terms of their billings, but perhaps not in their profits are they're asking you to do things that actually aren't in your expertise. And so it takes us more time and more energy to do that work, which means that we're making less money on that work. But it's very difficult for agency owners to say, no, that is not, that is not a word that we uh, covet. So we, you know, a client says, well, you know, can you put a live event on? Yes. Can you get Bon Jovi to perform? You bet. Can you also do a direct mail piece for me? Of course, we can. Can you uh, build me some sales funnels in Infusionsoft? Absolutely. Well, maybe one or two of those is actually our expertise, but we say yes to all of it and then we figure out how to get it done, but not at an equal profit level.
0: One of our uh, speakers at our virtual Youth Summit event had their kind of pre niche services listed on a uh... on on one of their slides, and it had, you know, web design, web development, digital marketing, copywriting, PR, photography, videography, social media, and we'll move your fridge. Right, Um, (laughs)
1: right. (laughs) That that is is the (laughs) agency owner's mentality. If if you're going to put money on the table, I will say yes. Uh, And oftentimes that actually ends up costing us money.
0: Why, I mean, is it is it um, and you've got you've just been in this space for so long. You've talked to so many agencies. You know this problem so well, both from seeing other agency owners having this you know this habitual yes thing right. and right. um but then you also know that there's profit and scalability on the other side of no, but what right. is it that creates that? paradox in our space. We all know that when we say no more often, we're going to be more profitable or more focused, or we're going to get more clients. Yet we somehow in the moment have this, all bets are off, right? The client just, right. you know, I, I told them I wasn't going to move their fridge. Then they asked me, they're going to, you know, if we'd move their fridge and I just said, yes, because we had the bandwidth and it, you know, it, it's going to pay right. the bills.
1: Right. I, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, I think it is a genuine desire to be helpful, And so, when a client expresses a need, as as a rule, agency owners are incredibly generous um, people who want to really serve and help their client. And so, it's just a hair trigger reaction to say yes. Number one, number two, I think agency owners never forget that they have mouths to feed, and so there's this constant pressure. Whether they're your employees or your contractors, you feel a huge obligation. To make sure there's enough money in the coffers to keep everybody well paid, and that you're not facing the day of you know having to let someone go. And I and the third thing is, uh, I think most agency owners do not understand agency math. I I probably spend the lion's share of my days teaching agency owners how to interpret the financial data they have in a way that in a glance, in five minutes, they can look at it and know whether or not their agency is healthy or not. But if you don't have that, you're really kind of operating in the dark, which I think creates this sense of scarcity around money, which makes you say yes all the time, as opposed to being comfortable and confident that you've got two or three months of reserves in the bank. You know, you've got a cash flow projection, projection and you know what projects are coming in. So you can choose to be more selective about who you work with. I, and I love
0: that you, I love that term agency math. I think that yeah, that's cause, different cause, than other math
1: and and CPAs don't teach it. In fact, they do it wrong. And I, well, cause,
0: and I think cause there is, there is very specific math that or, or numbers, right. That comes into play right. within our industry. Like people can be, insanely profitable at a per project level or even a per hour level. And they could be focusing so much energy on, is this project profitable? But then when you step back and look at the, the, the business as a whole, you're like, wow, every month you're not profitable. But like in the moment of pricing and things like that, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to sell this project for $10,000. I'm going to pay, you know, my contractors $2,500. I'm going to pay some staff members, you know, about 30 or 40 hours, right? There's going to be another 1500 there, right? Whatever. And at the end of the day, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna have five thousand dollars left over." And then the end of the month comes, and they're negative three,
1: right? Well, and that's the case of every project you have may be profitable, but you don't have enough work to balance the overhead load you have. So, the the number one problem in any agency today, if an agency calls me and says, "I can't figure out why we're not making money," can you look at my numbers? The very first thing I look at is their staff size, and ninety five. I'm being generous. Probably 98% of all agencies are overstaffed for the for the amount of work they actually have in. And the reason why is because they don't track time well. They don't look at the time. And so when the when their employees go, oh my gosh, we are so buried. We can't take on another project. You have to hire a fill-in-the-blank position. The agency owner goes, Oh, okay. And they hire that position without really having the metrics to look at it and go, you know what? Based on the numbers, we can't afford to hire someone. Because and, and in fact, we're two people overstaffed. So we, there's something else broken. There's an efficiency issue or a process issue, but it's not that we don't have enough humans on staff or on call if they're 1099s to get the work done. But if you don't understand all of that math, then you're in trouble. It's, it's one of the reasons why pretty much in, in almost every workshop I teach or anything I talk about, I bake in a couple hours of agency math because it is the number one thing I think that agency owners are lacking to really run their business as well. Is your recommendation, so so
0: 95 to 98% overstaffed, and I can definitely attest to that. I mean, I've gone into businesses that are making 250K a year and they have eight or nine people. And right. the, the math just without even looking at a PNL doesn't right. even work, even if they're overseas or, or things like that. Right. I mean, even if they matter, have right? half the team is getting paid a fraction of what they would in the United States, you can tell that the amount of time that they're spending or project manager's salaries and things like that. But do you yeah. do you recommend for people to right size or to go out and sell more? Because I, I think that. The design. I mean, I think there's a lot of like, oh man, this is my team. Like if I go in and gut yep. half the team,
1: it's going to be a big cultural shift. And how do we, yeah. how do we figure that out? Yeah. So when I'm talking to an agency owner and they're faced with this reality, what I say to them is what you need to understand is. New business always takes longer than you think it's going to. So no, I don't care how you, full you think your sales funnel is and your pipeline, it's going to take you 30 to 60 to 90 plus days. Some clients are taking up to two years to sign a project authorization. And then you've got to work for at least a month or two to actually start making any money. So at the, at the best scenario, the best scenario, you're at 90 to 120 days. And that's really unrealistic for most in most cases. But let's just say it's accurate for you. So you're going to keep digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper for 90 or 120 days. And what often happens is the agency owner won't take a salary or they'll do something on their end to support not making the difficult decision. But the reality is the way to propel yourself forward for growth is to stop carrying a bunch of dead weight. So the, the analogy I use is you, you've got a boat and the boat is about to take on water. Do you paddle faster? or do you throw some stuff out of the boat? Right? You got to you got to throw some stuff out of the boat. You can't paddle fast enough to keep the water from sinking the boat. And yet you and I both know there are agency owners that literally have put themselves out of business because they haven't emptied some of the weight out of the boat. So it's a painful thing and I and I'm not I'm not being um, callous about it. I get that it's human beings, and it's you. And the part of the problem is, as agents, small to midsize agency owners, these are not random people. These are people we know. We know their family. We understand that their mom has dementia, and they're paying for her. You know, her nursing home. We understand they've got a kid in college. We understand they're trying to put braces. But we get it, and so we feel this incredible burden to keep them on staff. But literally, we're going to sink the entire boat if we don't. Right size, so yes, you have to right size. And
0: I don't, I don't think it's you know, it's, it, it, in your analogy, right? The uh, the throwing the stuff or the the team off the boat. I mean, you know, the water. Uh, let's be fair. We're we're entering people back into the job market. We're not right. So yeah, we Hey, there's sharks right, out right. there. You're gonna get right. in the yeah, and, right. yeah, but you you hit on something that I find that is so when when agency owners start thinking about the team members, right, or you know, as like. That you're responsible for them, and they're not right. responsible for themselves in their right. own situation. I think that's a really dangerous mindset to get into, right? When you start thinking about like, oh, well, they've got you know the kid in college, they've got the right. the grandparents, right. whatever. Right. All yep. of a sudden, you've got that burden, and I, yep. you know, and that that got me in trouble early on running my agency because I really like every time I thought of letting go of somebody, I just like, you know, imploded with guilt and shame. And uncertainty. yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you remember yeah, the movie uh, Moneyball when, um, yeah, right, he, you know, takes him in the office, he's all freaked out. And he's like, dude, these guys are pros, right? Just like, right. you know, right. give them, give them, give them the news quick and, you know, they're going to take it well. And I feel like I've taken that approach, you know, yeah. and that's helps me at least a lot in terms of treating people like professionals that they are, they're responsible for their own, you know, their own life and their own situation. And sometimes you have to make a call for the best of the business, even when that's not a really comfortable situation.
1: And I, and I think how agency owners feel about it is if I had run the business better, I wouldn't be sending Mary out into oh, the man. job pool. Oh right? man, I, I felt right? that, right? It, yeah, but it's, of course. There's so much. I, I think it's very natural. So so the, the way to... Uh, avoid that uncomfortable situation is to not put yourself in that situation. If you're in that situation now, right size to an appropriate size, and then do not allow yourself to get overstaffed again. Always be a little leaner than you need to be. And maybe that means three or four or five or six times a year, you're going to have to go out into a freelance pool or a contractor pool to get something done. But if everybody in your shop isn't billable at an appropriate level and all of that, then you know you've got a problem. So, th- so the, this requires more setup, but just a basic metric is you should have $150,000 of adjusted gross income for every full-time equivalent, including yourself. So for example, you said that agency that was making 250K in AGI a year, that's a person and a half right and and maybe a freelancer that's on call, but we have we have to not be overstaffed, and this gets back to our earlier conversation. one of the reasons why agencies are often overstaffed is because they're saying yes to everything, so they have to have a butcher and a baker and a candlestick maker on staff because they're doing this wide variety of things and they don't have anybody that's got all those skills baked into one person so you know, I think there are multiple ways to niche your agency. One of them is to niche in terms of the industry or your specialty. But another one is in terms of the services that you provide so that you don't have to be, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep because you have to have all these different staffers. You can have fewer staffers that have a deeper, better skill set to serve your client in a more defined, you know, set of deliverables.
0: Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast. If you're looking for a new CMS that can launch sites in half the time as a typical WordPress build, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more information at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now, let's get back to our interview. Any, and I like that advice of how to avoid the uncomfortable situation of having the right size. is just never yeah. allowing yourself to get that bloated yeah. in the first place. And it is easy. But, but
1: oftentimes you have to fix it first and then agree to, with yourself to never go back, right? So how do
0: you set up boundaries in terms of avoiding, because I think the easy thing, right, there's this old old saying of like, you know, short-term pain, long-term gain, or short-term gain, long-term pain. And I think that short-term gain, long-term pain is when we say yes to a client, when we shouldn't be doing something, right. and the yes is the easy part. And maybe even hiring for that position and being the hero in the next two weeks or two months or three months is the easy part. The long-term pain is then how do we feed that person work from now right. until they decide to leave our agency and go get another job? Yep. Yep. Uh, but how do you create boundaries and know, okay, yes, this is a good time to hire that extra person on our team versus, no, we should be sticking to our knitting and focus on what we're, we're best at?
1: Well, first of all, this is not a problem just in small to midsize agencies. When I was at Y&R, we would get emails saying things like "the video department is light for the next couple of weeks." Sell more video, right? Same thing. And you know, they hundred, you know, thousands and thousands of employees all over the world at that mo- at that moment in time. So it's a problem for all of us. But I think it's a couple of things. Number one, I think it's living by the numbers and not staffing up even for a a temporary project or something you think is coming down the pike until you've got the revenue in hand. So until you've got that 150K in AGI, number two, I think it is about surrounding yourself with some trusted partners who do things like that you don't do. So let's say you're a digital shop and you don't do traditional PR, like media placement kind of stuff, rather than you trying to figure out how to do that, have a partner agency that you trust, that you know is not going to poach your client and all of that and throw that work to them, take a cut of it and be done with it. Now you've got experts doing the work, which is going to meet or exceed your client's expectations. And you're making a little money without having to do any work. And you're not trying to figure out how to do something for the first time with an inexperienced staff, which in most cases is going to, you know, disappoint the client. Any
0: advice for a team member's billable capacity in terms of targets, what an agency should be thinking about on a week-to-week basis, if they are tracking time or have some general idea of how much of their team member's time is actually going out to billable projects, either in the form of hourly or fixed prices, doesn't really matter, but what yeah, what's yeah. a good target number for that?
1: So what you need to do is you need to look at your entire agency, billable and non-billable. Everybody. So let's say you have ten employees. You need to add up how many hours that is. So you know you have ten employees times forty hours, typically times forty-eight weeks, because most people between vacations and holidays have you know four weeks off in the year. And I think that number, if I'm if I'm right, forty times forty-eight is uh, nineteen twenty. Right. So you're going to multiply that by ten. And so now I have 19,200 hours. 75% of those hours for everyone, billable and non-billable, 75% of those hours have to be spent on billable tasks. And 60% of those hours need to actually find their way onto a client invoice. And if you're doing less than that, and by the way, the average agency is at 40%, not 60%. If you're doing less than that, you're overstaffed or you're, or you're mispricing your stuff or, and there's probably five other ors, like, and it's probably more, not just one, it's multiples. So, until you hit that 75 60 ratio, there you have no business hiring another staffer. You have something else is broken inside your organization, and you need to fix that to see if you actually really need another person. Without a doubt, there are people listening to the
0: show right now that are hearing your numbers, and the first thought through their head is, but I don't even know how much of our time is going towards billable or invoiceable or, or this,
1: this, this is the agency math that I was talking about. This is the stuff that most agency owners are absolutely in the dark. And, and honestly, it's not their fault. Most people, you know, none of us went to school. None of us got a degree in agency ownership, right? We either hung up a shingle and all of a sudden it was like, Oh, I need to hire somebody to help me. And next thing you know, you look around and you go, crap, I have eight people working for me. What, What do I, I have to actually do payroll tax? Like, like there's a whole, we're great at the client stuff. Most agency owners are amazing at the client stuff. What we say at AMI is most agency owners are accidental business owners. So they've never learned any of this stuff. And if they're relying on a generalist CPA, they're being taught wrong. They're being taught general accounting principles, not what's best for agency principles. And what I'm talking about are not things that I've made up. These are, these are industry standards but there just aren't a lot of places to learn them. So first of all, you have, to get, you have to stop feeling bad that you don't know it. Secondly, you've got to find a resource to learn all of this stuff. So whether it's us or somebody else out there who's teaching it, you need to go to a workshop or pay a consultant to come in and talk to you through this or whatever it is. But you need to learn this agency math. And then you need to run your business based on these metrics and the math that is how agencies are successful. You know, if you're not making 20% profit, net profit before taxes, you have lots of room for growth because I have a lot of agencies that are making 20 and 30% net profit at the end of the year, not not every month, not on every project. They they have a they have a tax problem, which is how do I mitigate my tax risk so I don't pay all of this in taxes? That's a great problem to have.
0: How do you, I mean, so so. assuming you learn agency math, what I was kind of getting at too there was this idea, this issue around time tracking. I mean, I see it in small agencies, I see it in large agencies of just not having the data in the first place to even know they can They can build the spreadsheet, but then having the team actually account for it and track their time, I know as a, as an agency owner myself, it was always a challenge to get people to track time, to track time consistently, especially if we're in, a fixed price billing kind of environment. Like if people don't track time, you know, really nothing ends up happening. I mean, we don't have the data to make good decisions. That
1: that is a hundred percent the agency owner's fault. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's mandatory or you get fired. That's it. You do your timesheet every day. You get three warnings. If you don't do it, you have to leave and they'll probably have a sacrificial lamb. But then everybody's going to do their timesheets. You cannot run your agency without the data you need to have insight into what's happening in your own business. And timesheets, and I know there are consultants out there who go, you don't need a timesheet. You can value pride. Bull. That's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with pricing. Nothing. It has everything to do with understanding how the greatest and most important and most expensive asset in your business is functioning, which are your people. It's, it's, a, it's a process and efficiency measure, not a billing measure. Yes, sometimes we tie billing to it as well, but that's not why we track time. How do you know if your estimates are right or wrong if you don't track time? How do you know if one employee is a rock star and the other one is spending most of his time on eBay if you don't track time? Like, how do you know that stuff? You, you can't know it.
0: Is that, you know, but I, kind of back to what you were saying about the, uh, the uncomfortableness of letting go yeah. of somebody that the agency owner thinks, oh, it's my fault, which I love the responsibility here. But the thing that I see that happens a ton is agency owners put that system for time tracking in. They don't personally use it. And then- Ding, ding, ding,
1: right there. Yeah. That's the first problem, right? If I'm saying this is so important to the business and then I don't do it, I'm sending a mixed message and my employees get to choose which message to listen to. One makes them do timesheets and one gives it, gets them off the hook. Which one are they going to listen to?
0: Do you think there's a scenario there where the agency owner, I mean, there's all sorts of businesses that have jobs that the owner does not do. Is it, you know, is there ever a scenario or is it just, you recommend culturally, everybody's got to track time. You've got to do it. It's like sweeping up the floor, cleaning your office kind of
1: stuff. Yeah. And, and honestly, It's insightful for the agency owner too. You think you're spending a ton of time on BizDev. You think you're spending a ton of time here and there. And the reality is you're not. Most of your day is spent with interruptions from employees or fill in the blank. But you don't have a clear picture of how you're spending your time either. And timesheets give an agency owner incredible insight into how they are investing their own time and where they need to course correct. Because in most cases, they do need to course correct.
0: Drew, this has been an awesome conversation. I love the term agency math. I think these numbers are uh, great for agency owners to be aware of, but also to start making some changes. 2020 was a crazy year. Maybe there's some element of you know, that that whole macro forces on your business. But at the end of the day, you have a lot of control over whether you're profitable or not. Drew's giving you all uh, some of the numbers and targets to think about today. Hopefully you're taking going to take action on those and implement changes if necessary.
1: Drew, are you ready for our lightning round? Yeah, I just want to say one thing. So, you know, we see the finances of about 250 agencies a year. The ones who skated through COVID who are still posting, even in 2020, a 20% profit or more, are the agencies who understood agency math and ran their business based on the numbers. No exceptions.
0: That's awesome. So know your numbers, folks. All right, lightning round. Yeah, let's do it. Uh,
1: What is the best advice you've ever received? Work harder than anybody else and take less credit than anybody else. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I never miss a deadline.
0: Can you share an internet resource tool or app that you use that you think our listeners will find valuable?
1: Yeah, I use things. So I need a place to keep all all of my to-dos. And so that's my digital brain of everything I have to do personally, professionally. And it's a way to get it out of my head and onto something so I won't forget. You say that's things? Things, yep. We'll uh,
0: definitely link out to that in our show notes. What book would you recommend and why?
1: Uh, best book I've ever read for a business is called the radical leap by Steve Farber. And I think it's uh, it teaches us the way that we need to show up as owners.
0: Awesome. Well, we will link out to the radical leap as well as things, lots of other good resources and takeaways from Drew's interviews, uh, interview over at our show notes at dot forward slash podcast. Drew, how can our audience find
1: out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, if they head over to agencymanagementinstitute.com, there's all kinds of resources. Uh, We have workshops. We're doing uh, an owner's workshop in April uh, in Chicago, April 6th and 7th. We've got a big conference coming up called the Build a Better Agency Summit in August. And we've had a podcast for about five and a half years called Build a Better Agency, which uh, is aimed at and focused on the business of running your business better as agency owners. So uh, very narrow focus.
0: Very cool. Well, we will link out to all that stuff on our show notes page. So agencymanagementinstitute.com. We'll link out to your workshops, conference, podcast. I was recently a guest on Drew's podcast. Yes, so we'll we'll link out to that episode as well, talking about uh, the recently launched book, Get Rich in the Deep End. So if you have not yet picked that up. Definitely check out that interview I did over on Drew's podcast, give you some more background on that. So we'll link out to all those at our show notes page, as well as some social media uh, profiles and all that good stuff of Drew. So if you want to go find out more information about him and follow him, check out our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Drew, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you. It was great to be on the show. Thank you.
0: And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.